sermon in a sentence this morning goes like this. When Jesus' disciples choose to trust God through fearless generosity, the result is His glory and our good. What I want you to notice in that sentence is that a choice is called for. Uh, the, uh, the opportunity for salvation is brought to us through the Lord Jesus. Uh, he redeems us. He saves us through His cross. He gives us new life by His Holy Spirit living within us. And then he calls us to a life of trust, a life of faith, a life of following, a life of believing that what he says to us is true and good and life-giving. And that journey is an everyday journey. You don't come to Christ and then go on autopilot and God just gives you every answer instantaneously. You have still have a life full of choices. We can obey, we can disobey, we can be filled with joy, we can be filled with angst. And every day God is drawing us closer to himself and he's calling us to trust in him. So when we choose to trust God in the area of generosity, when we choose to fear less and be more generous, the result is twofold. God is glorified and we actually uh, are enriched. It's good for us. So I want to look at these verses and see the message in these verses through three uh, different questions. The first question is, what exactly does God promise in these verses. The second question is, what's the impact on our lives when God fulfills that promise? And then ultimately, what's the end game? What's God after in all of this? So that's how we're going to kind of pick this apart this morning. The first thing is, what does God promise? Well, if you look at verse 10, God promises supply and multiply. He who supplies the seed for the sower and bread for food will supply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now notice this is a departure from Paul when he talks about righteousness. Normally, almost exclusively, Paul talks about the righteousness of Christ that is given to us in exchange for our unrighteousness. But here Paul is talking about a reaction on our part. He says your reaction is based on something God promises. God promises that he will give you what you need to be generous with the gospel of Jesus Christ. God is the one who will provide. God's also the one who will multiply. God's the one who will expand that. And your choice, disciple of Jesus, is to trust that or not entrust that. But as you trust him, what's going to happen? As you invest in the kingdom of God what I'm going to call dynamic and active righteousness based on the character of God. In other words, we look at God's promise and we say, yeah, I'm going to agree to trust that. I'm going to agree to live in that truth. I believe God is who he says he is. There's an activity that comes in our life that's an activity of actively loving and following Christ. But it's not based on our strength. It's not based on our ability, but rather it's based on the fact that God's the one who supplies God is the one who multiplies. That's a promise that he makes. The second promise he makes is in verse 11. He provides the means for our generosity. Paul reminds the Corinthians, you'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. So notice both parts of that message. You'll be enriched in every way. God's going to give you things you never expected to have. And it's not, we're not just talking about money, although in some cases, God does bless people financially in order that they can bless others. But Paul is talking about all kinds of gifts that God gives. You'll be enriched in every way because you're never sure what somebody might need. You're never quite certain how you might meet a total stranger, and that day, you're part of God's provision for their life. You say, well, Tom, I may not be ready for that. 
Hey, I might be, if somebody walked up to me and said, now, how do I get to heaven? Tell me about Jesus. Oh my gosh, I, I don't know that I'd be prepared to answer that question. Yeah, you will. Sure you will. Because God promises to give you what you need in every occasion in order for you to reflect his generosity. So, uh, so last week I mentioned that when I was a little boy, you know, we'd go Christmas shopping and, and mom would, you know, have me save up a little bit of money. But then when we got to the cash register, she would actually, you know, slip the cash register a 5 or $10 dollar bill to pay for the presents. Uh, but I'm thinking about the other side of that. When our kids were little and we would go to Target or we would go to Chinooks or wherever we would go and you'd see the bell ringer outside. Uh, I would, uh, I'd hand the kids that money. So, you know, you know go, go give that dollar. Go, go put that dollar in that, in that red bucket over there. Why are we doing that, Dad? Well, because those people are collecting money to help, help people who have less than us. And, it, and it's always good to share what you have with other people. I was the one that was providing the means for their generosity. You know, now as they're adults, I'm hoping that they've caught on to that and they're, they're experiencing that of themselves and they're actually passing that on to their children, to the next generation. But I was the one that actually gave them the offering, so to speak. And it's important for us to remember that. Anything I put in the offering plate, so to speak, whether it's my time, whether it's sitting down having a conversation with somebody who, who needs just some love and some care, whether it's the, the monetary gift that I give, all of that has been given to me by God. And I'm sharing what he's given with me with others because he promises to be the one who provides the means for my generosity. But he promises one other thing in this text that I think is important for us to see. He promises us that if we will follow him, we will have the joy of giving other people reasons to praise God. I think more often in my life when people interact with me, I, I give them reasons to, to pray to God for help uh, for me or, or for them after they've talked with me. But we can actually be part of God's blessing in someone's life. God could actually use us, and, and part of the end result in him, him using us in someone else's life is that that person would actually praise God for that interaction, whatever that interaction happens to be. So in verse 12, it says, For the ministry of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, Paul is actually collecting an offering to take back to Jerusalem in Judea where there was a severe famine. Even, even historians apart from the Bible talk about the famine that took place in that part of the world uh, during about a 10 to 12 year period when Paul is actually collecting this, this offering. There are actually secular authors who have spoken about this famine. And so Paul is collecting the offering to go and care for the saints, but he says it won't only do that, but it will also end up being overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. In other words, as people experience your generosity, they will praise God. So I was reading about a person who was going through kind of a hard time, and I don't know this person, but I was reading this article a couple weeks ago, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to try to find that person's email and just send them a note of encouragement. It's a person who's also a fellow, fellow believer in Christ, and they had written uh, an article on just about some of their struggles, and I thought, you know what, I could take a couple minutes. And so I looked it up, and I actually found it, uh, and, I, and I maybe took, I don't know, five minutes to write this person a note. And the note basically said, hey, I, I don't walk in your shoes. I don't necessarily understand all you're going through. But just as a fellow Christian, I just want to say, hang in there, and, I, and I'm praying for you. I mean, it was about that thorough, okay? Here's the response I got, okay? <clears throat> Words fail me, but you didn't. Remember, this is a total stranger. I, I don't know this person. Thank you for your email and kind words of support. 
I wish I had, had, I wish I had words to express my appreciation for your email. It came just when I needed it most. It's the wonderful actions of, of, of and support from people like yourself that keep me going most days. People like you give me hope that we can eventually unite and get along if we really want to. Pray, the hearts, pray that hearts will be touched, minds will be open, hate and anger towards people like me will soon diminish. In the meantime, I pray and look to my Lord for guidance, strength, grace, mercy, and ability to forgive those who persecute me. During a time like this, I think we all realize how much our family and friends really mean to us. Your email was like a small ray of sunshine that brings some hope. I'm telling y'all, I don't deserve that response. I literally said, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm, I'm sorry for what you're going through. Um, you know, if there's anything I can do to ever help you, please let me know. I mean, literally, I took five minutes out of my day. But the response ended up being a praise of God, a praise to God's glory when brothers and sisters of Christ kind of just take a little bit of time to look out for each other. That's what God promises in this passage. He says, just if you'll trust me with generosity, again, whether it's your time, your energy, your thoughts, your money, I'm going to supply. I'm going to give you what you need in order to reflect my generosity. I'm going to be the one who provides it. And through you, people will praise and glorify me. Those are the promises of God. So the, the question is, will we trust those promises? Will we act as if those promises are actually true day in and day out of our lives? The second question I think this passage brings up is this. What's the impact on our lives? Let's say you and I choose daily to make this a matter of prayer and a, and a matter of wanting to grow in our Christ-likeness. We want to follow God in this. What's the impact on our lives? I want to come back to verse 11 uh, because I think the first impact is that we have a growing heart of generosity. In other words, the attitude behind the actions. Paul says you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. That means that not just that you'll have the stuff that you need to be generous, not just God will give you a little extra time if somebody needs to have a conversation. doesn't mean that God will just give you a little bit of extra sensitivity if you need to care for someone, or God will give you a little bit extra money to put uh, in the offering plate, so to speak, but God will actually give you the heart you need to be generous. What stands in the way of your generosity? What stands in the way of my generosity? What keeps us? We talked about that in our very first sermon. More often than not, it takes some shape and form of fear, of anxiousness. And God says, I will give you a heart that is fearless if you trust in me. Not because you're super strong, not because Green Tree Community Church can, can do amazing things on its own. We're just a little group of about four or 500 people, right? But when we trust him, God says, I will supply everything you need, including a heart of generosity, including an attitude of wanting to share with others. Um, Bill Murray did a remake, and this is going back, I think, to like the, the 1990s, might have been around 2000, did a remake of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, it was called Scrooge. And maybe a lot of you saw that movie. If, if you didn't, it's a, it's a fun kind of Christmas movie to watch. But he, he plays the character Ebenezer Scrooge in modern-day New York, and he's a TV producer. And he goes through the, you know, the ghost coming and visiting him, and at the end, it, it, he gets it. And it clicks with him. And now he's standing on national television and he's trying to convince everybody else to be generous. And, and he begins to talk not about what he's done, 
but he, get, he begins to talk about the change of his heart. And I don't know if the producers or the writers of this movie wanted to give a Christian message, but they couldn't have given one that was much more clear than the one that Bill Murray gave in this monologue. And he looks at the camera, he says, just, just try it, just give it an action. And you're going to find out that when you're generous, you're just going to want to be more generous. You're, you're just going to look for more opportunities to, to care. In fact, you're going to become greedy to give. You won't be able to get enough of it. I mean, he's just sharing this beautiful picture, and as only Bill Murray can, I guess, of the gospel of Jesus Christ and how God changes our heart. The impact on your life and my life when we decide to live out God's generosity is that God actually changes the way we think and the way we feel to conform more and more to the way he thinks and he feels about this lost and broken world. But I have two impacts on our lives. That's the first. The second is this, that I believe that, that when God works his generosity in our lives, he does so by centering us on the gospel and not on a works righteousness. Look at verse 13. Paul's talking about what's going to result from their generosity. He says, by their approval of this service, the people who are, who are going to be recipients of this gift, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession to the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. What Paul is, is saying here is that God is going to remind us that this is a this is about the gospel, that what comes out of our generosity doesn't stem from our strength, our wisdom, our just being better people than other people. In other words, Paul's kind of saving us from ourselves at this particular moment. He's keeping us from having any reason for self-righteousness. God's generosity does that, you know. It, it calls us to look at the gospel of Jesus. My generosity and your generosity as disciples of Christ should begin with remembering how generous God has been to us through the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if we're going to live a life of faith, if we're going to live a life of generosity, the thing that will motivate us to that is remembering how much we're loved by God, not how much the church needs my money or your money. So, um, so I, have my, I have my commitment card. Yep. That's the right one. I have a second one for the second service that is blank, but I want to put it in as a symbol. But this one actually has writing on it. So, so that card's been on my desk all week. And I've been staring at it. And it's been staring back at me. And we've been having an ongoing conversation about what it should say this morning. And people walk by my office and I've been talking to a commitment card. People think I'm a little bit loose and screws up here? I might be, but I've been having a debate with this card. And this card's been having a debate with me. And the debate is this. Am I really going to live by faith or not? Now, I think there's a number that I could write that on that card that is actually not a bad number. If you look at it, you probably go, yeah, hey, that's, that's pretty nice. That's probably about what Tom should give. But it doesn't cause me to have any faith. I know, unless I you know, blow up my life and do something incredibly, ridiculously stupid, that I'm going to earn enough money to make that happen. So I can't put that number down, right? Because it's not a number of faith. At the same time, I, you know, I can't write down $3 million because that's a ridiculously foolish number, right? You know, unless you guys know something about a pay raise that I don't know about, then I'm thinking that that's probably a silly number, right? But there is a number 
that causes me to walk by faith. And it forces me to go back to the cross and say, remember what Jesus did for you. Remember how generous God has been with you. And whatever you give needs to reflect your understanding of that gift. And it needs to be based on faith, not on your ability. Otherwise, it's worthless to you. Might help the church a little bit. Might be good for the church to to have that money in its coffers. But it's worthless to you because it doesn't draw you into the heart of the generosity of God. The impact on our lives when we understand that what we have is not only given to us by God, but it stems from the blessing we have of being called the sons and daughters of God through the grace of Christ on the cross is the impact that Paul promises in these verses. What's the end game? What is God's ultimate plan in our generosity? And it's very simply this. It's that he would be glorified. Look at verse 11. Paul writes this. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce what? Thanksgiving to God. Don't put your pledge card in this morning because you want a pat on the back by somebody. Don't put your pledge card in this morning because you want people to see you coming forward and, and, and you being a generous person, right? We put our pledge cards, we make our promises, whatever it is, again, whether it's our time or our money, because we want God to receive the glory. Because we want God to receive the thanks. So um, I've adopted the, one of the bell ringers over at Schnooks and De Pair. Uh, and she's an African-American lady, and she's probably in her mid-60s, and I think she's there about three or four days a week right now. She's my bell ringer. You cannot have her. You go find your own bell ringer if you want a bell ringer to adopt. But I've adopted her. What I mean by that is when I walk by her, I check on her. How you doing? And I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm at Schnucks maybe once or twice a week. But when I walk by, and she's sitting there ringing the bell, I check on her. How are you doing? And I walked by her yesterday, and it had gotten really cold. And she was there last year, and I asked a question. And knew, as soon as I asked, I knew it was a dumb question because she'd already told me. I said, hey, can I get you a, a, a hot cup of coffee? And she looked at me. She goes, you know I can't take that caffeine. <laughs> Like, you're right. You told me that last year. I'm sorry. I asked you that question. She goes, I could really use a sandwich and a soda. I said, what kind of soda? She's like, I like a Sprite. I'll be right back. There's something about that simple action that did my heart really good. But when I handed it back to her, I said, here, I I love you and God loves you. She says, amen, brother. Right? It's not about me getting a pat on the back. It's not about her looking at me going, isn't that a nice guy? All right? It's kind of unusual for a white guy to be nice to me. That's not the point. The point is that God is thanked. That she and I both looked heavenward at that moment and said, thanks, Lord. I said, thanks, Lord, for me having a couple extra bucks to be able to buy her sandwich. And she said, thanks, Lord, for somebody noticing that I'm sitting out here ringing a bell and I might not have had lunch yet. God gets the praise. Look at verse 12. He reinforces it. For this ministry of service is not only supplying their needs, the needs of the saints, but also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Again, there's a sense that those not only who benefit from our giving give thanks to God, but those who hear of our generosity give thanks to God. So I got an email this week from from a a Green Tree uh, person who was telling me about uh, a family in their particular school in Kirkwood that needed some help, but could we connect them with Green Tree and help out and, and try and work on the, the deacons getting together and talking about that? Um, at the end of this email, the person jotted this P.S. and it said this: P.S. 
I was talking to a non-believer who does similar work in her school, and she said, Green Tree Church sure does help a lot. She said, I'm not religious in any way, but it sure is cool to see a church that is actually doing something. And then she writes, I thought that was pretty cool. I think it's pretty cool, too, that, that a non-believer would see a church actually doing it. It breaks my heart to, to hear that part of it, that so much of how we're perceived in the world is, is inactivity and more being in the way than being helpful. But by God's grace, he can use us to maybe change some of that. But I was thankful that there was a sense of this person in our school district knowing that there are a group of people that want to reflect the generosity of God, and he gets the praise. And then lastly, not only those who benefit from our giving, not, all, not only those who hear of our generosity, but we're also blessed when we focus on the, Christ, on the cross as our motivation for giving. Paul ends his words simply with this. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Uh, I've been a pastor for a long time. I started ministry when I was 22. I started preaching uh, pretty much full-time all the time when I was 34, 22 years ago. I don't think I've ever been able to put into words what the cross of Christ should mean to us. I don't think I've ever been able to capture the glory and the beauty of the inexpressible gift that God has given to us. But what do we do when we have the opportunity? We praise God. We thank God for his generosity. Every day of our lives, every Sunday when we gather here, we, we thank God, we express our thanks, and we seek to live lives of thanksgiving to God. And that's the plan. That's what God intends for you and for me. So the way I want to uh, end the sermon this morning is actually with a, with a story. And I need to set it up just a little bit. Uh, the person that's going to come and share with you this morning has been a green tree uh, for about three years-ish. And uh, she and her husband came to Green Tree uh, at a time where uh, Green Tree was able to bless them. And where I would say the generosity of Green Tree was kind of poured into their lives. It wasn't a financial gift. They weren't financial straits. Uh, but they came and experienced God's love and grace and mercy. I think they experienced God's generosity uh, through Green Tree. Uh, as you know, church planting, or, or hopefully many of you know, the church planting is one of our core values. Uh, and a guy named Brian Roskin is the guy that we've, we've selected to be the next church planter at Green Tree. Uh, and in 2016, he's going to begin as an intern with us. We're going to take about a year and a half, kind of get everything ready. We hope to launch. We're prayerful that we could launch uh, a new church out in St. Charles County somewhere uh, by the fall of 2017. So that's still two years away. So we're kind of ramping up and getting ready. Uh, but Brian's going to actually be able to be part of our generosity to another community. But I didn't ask Brian to come and share this morning. We asked his wife, Kate, to come and share and talk about kind of both sides of their story, how they've been blessed by Green Tree, but also their desire to be used by God to bless other folks. So Kate, if you don't mind, I'm going to sit down and let you take a few minutes to share with us. <laughs> 